All right, guys, support for Pardon Me Podcast comes from Manscaped. All right, guys, you guys already, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know what Manscaped is about. If you don't, it's very self-explanatory. Manscaped is a one-stop shop for men's grooming products. You got your your ball trimmers. So this is the lawnmower. There it is right there, the lawnmower 3.0. This thing has ceramic blades. It's guaranteed not to nick your balls. I guess we've, or not I guess, I know, we've all been in a spot where we've been trimming up, cleaning up for that special night, for that special somebody, just to open yourself up in the shower and bleed all over the place. It grabs you, it pulls the hair out. You don't want that. This thing is guaranteed not to do that, guys. I've been testing this thing out, and uh, I can safely say that this thing works, all right, guys? And they have everything. They've got nose hair trimmers. They've got nail clippers. They've got ball wipes. They've got uh, deodorant sprays for your nuts. All things undercarriage for men. And a, um, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, but I definitely know some ladies that use the Manscaped products as well from their mans. All right, guys, if you guys want to grab some of your own this holiday season, use code Pardon Me for 20% off. All right, guys, code pardon me, 20% off at manscaped.com. Keep those nuts happy. Keep your ladies happy. And um, yeah, send me send me DMs. Let me see what you're working with. Support for the show, pardon me, is brought to you by Soul Water. All right, these guys are a small company based in New Jersey. They are ex-military. They are CrossFitters, athletes, and outdoor enthusiasts. These guys make a 100% all-natural drink. It has three ingredients, water, Himalayan sea salt, and lemon juice. All right, those are going to be great for hydration. I like to hit that mixture. I've been hitting that mixture since 2016 pretty much. I've been doing my own little concoction, but have since fell off the wagon just because of how hard it is to make that every morning. That's where these guys come in. They're great. It's in a can. You grab it, you pop it, you go whenever you need it, whether you're going to drink it in the morning, throughout the day, after a long, hard workout. Check them out. It's going to be at soulwatercompany.com. If you guys use code PARDONME, you'll get 10% off. And then an added benefit, these guys care about giving back. Every can purchased, they donate five cents to help save Amazon rainforests. All right, guys, that's soulwater.com. Use the code pardon me for that 10% off. Check them out. See how you like them. We've been drinking them in here. The guests have been liking them. I've been loving them. And uh, we'll keep supporting these guys because they're supporting us. So check them out, soulwatercompany.com. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode. We are on number 71. We got a good guest for you today. His name is Tommy Aceto. He is a former Navy SEAL. met him through one of uh, the, f- the former guests that you guys have listened to, PJ Nessler, um, and this guy's awesome. You know, he went, he went through, um, was a former athlete, then became a Navy SEAL, now he's studying um, production, film, writing, and acting, and, um, you know, is getting, is getting ready for the next, the next chapter in his life, but we talk and chat a lot about his journey up and to and through the buds, the SEALs, getting out. Um, it, you know, on this podcast, we have a lot of DMT segues. So this one, uh, we do a little, uh, psychedelic segue as well. Um, and how that has helped him and, um, you know, his experiences with that naturally. But, um, here he is guys. He's awesome, dude. Without further ado, Tommy Aceto. Thank you. 
we would hang out with our, on a daily basis, you know. Um, but yeah, it's 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 pretty uh, pretty straightforward, pretty easy. Um, but yeah, so Mike, ready? Yeah, one second. Did you can get that camera. <clears throat> And then I do uh, like an intro and outro before or after, so we won't we can just get into straight into the conversation, so okay. we don't have to like wait for like a ba da ba ba da ba and then start and have it like a, this awkward fucking moment, you know? <laughs> yeah. The cold the cold bore start. Mm-hmm. I go a ramp like shotgun start we call it, and just straight into it. Oh good, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> When's this uh, glass glass blowing going down? Saturday. This Saturday? Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. What time? Uh, between one and two. I'm I'm there. Yeah? Yeah. You guys if yeah. if you're inviting me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to disinvite myself. Oh, yeah. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be we're I I did it last night. I posted a story. We're um we're making ornaments. Mm-hmm. Oh, that way okay. so guy they can uh people it's really hard. It's not easy. Like no. I made literally, honest to God. I've been blown for probably like. <laughs> That's the best I answer. I know. Make that clip right there. I know. Every time I, I, I write, I'm like, hey, we're blowing. Me and Chris are blowing for a couple hours. And people start laughing. And I'm like, I don't know what else to say. We're making glass. Um, That's perfect. Yeah. But it was my first night. I made a freaking cup by myself, like all the steps. And I've been doing it for like a year. Okay. It's hard. It's yeah. really hard. Yeah, you don't think about like glass blowers as no. being like as as it being hard, right? You're like, oh, it's yeah. art, artsy. The temperature ha- decreases uh, like I think a uh, hundred degrees every second and a half so, of the glass. Okay. Yeah, and then that's and if you touch it to metal, it's even faster. Okay. So the idea is to keep it really hot. It starts at twenty two hundred degrees, twenty two thousand degrees, okay. or twenty two hundred. Sorry. Okay. And and you try to keep it there because if it goes cold, it it'll start to crack and shit. Okay, it's so it's so temperamental. Yeah, it's like lava. Yeah, it looks like lava. It is, <laughs> and they have got that long stick and they're like rolling it, right? Yeah, it's like the old Italian way. Okay, um, free style, freehand style, or something like that. I guess there's other like bowls and shit you buy okay. like marijuana stuff. There, that's all fabricated. You just buy it, and then there's like molded. There's no. They might be like they like they twist some stuff, but this is like you'll see. It's man art. Yeah, (laughs) man art. You. I mean, it looks like you come out like all like covered in soot and dirt. No, no, no. Oh shit. No, 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 no. It's just well in the summer you're in Fallbrook, so it's hot as hell. Yeah, and then you you know you sweat your balls off. Yeah, we sweated our balls off blowing today. Yeah, we were blowing pipe and uh, <laughs> sweating our balls off. <laughs> what? Uh, so you made some? You guys made ornaments? Bowl, a, a bowl, or would you say a cup? Yeah, I made. We make like glasses, cups. Um, they're bad. They're really sweet. What's the um, the like the easiest thing to make? That's probably what we're doing. It's uh, we're just making a a glass bulb. A bulb, okay. It's a or, ornament. ornaments, but That'd be cool. you roll the color into them, and so are we on? Are we rolling? Yeah. Or <laughs> I said shotgun stuff. Okay, <laughs> so cool. So, um, you—that's the coolest part about glass—is that you put the color into it, and then 
it goes into the glass. So mm -hmm. it illuminates, you know, the color instead of like a canvas where you're looking at it and the color is there. It's in the material. Mm -hmm. So when we roll, you know, the color into it and it goes in that fire, sometimes we'll put like, like really thin like pieces of silver and it diffuses in it. And when you see it, we'll probably do it Saturday and that ball will come out and it's just like Damn. shining like crazy. Nice. It's really cool. That's super cool. Yeah. It'd but, be cool. Yeah, I just like making stuff like that. Yeah. That's you can so make cool. all kinds of, I mean, the, like you look at the guys in Italy and um, there's an island. I can't think of it. Um, Sardinia? I should, no. I know that. But, yeah. <laughs> it's um, starts Sicily. With M, starts with oh. M. But, uh, you know, they've been doing it for thousands of years. And mm -hmm. they, like, I think it was uh, 1291 or something they started in Italy doing it. I'm like, how the hell did they get the heat back then yeah. to get up there, you know? Yeah. Uh, they built pyramids. I guess they can do that too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Murano. 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 Okay. What, um, how long does like something like that take? Like, is it a lengthy process to make like an ornament or is that like an hour, two oh, hour no. thing? Well, the, um, um, shoot, I could have gave you guys my documentary you could have put on there. Yeah. Um, you got a documentary? I made one for on YouTube school. Uh, not yet. I, okay. I have to post it. Um, but well, the process of making it is like you can make a bulb in like five minutes. Okay. But then you got to put it in a, another kiln that basically takes the temperature <clears throat> down slowly so it doesn't crack. Um, and okay. it takes all night. So you get it the next day. Okay. So we'll make them Saturday and then we'll give them out. Oh, yeah. Whenever, whoever wants to make them come back and get them. Yeah. <laughs> you want your shit? Come back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, yeah, it's fun. It's uh, there's a lot of ways. There's tech, tons of techniques, but the big thing is in the gravity. It's like he's fucking cheating. See? Oh, okay. You're not. That's like he's cheating because he's using a mold. Nah, he's shaping. Kidding. I don't know. He's I'm cheating. not a glass blower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a team guy. <laughs> he's cheating. And that's called marvering. That's where uh, you, yeah, okay. basically give it shape, and then there's a so the bubble is the most important thing, and it starts. He's already put like two. He's already dipped uh, in the the uh, molten glass like twice on that, or at least twice. Okay, but when it starts, he's just got a little piece on the end, and you get it to where it's nice, nice and round, and then you blow into it. But that little bubble. Once you have it established in there, you can add more glass, and it's always there. And then you just blow it. And so those are—that's why they call it blowing, because that that tube's hollow. Yeah, it's called a blow stick. Oh shit! Okay. A blow rotter. I didn't know that. <laughs> blow stick. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And then, so what does he start with on the end when he starts the 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 process? What like what do you start with? He's got that stick with the. That's it. You you heat up that stick, uh -huh. so the end's red hot. And then you go and you dip it in the the molten glass, but what? So what is he? He's not blowing the glass. So the glass is on. You have your stick. Uh -huh. You dip it in like honey, and then it's just glass. But it's not honey. It looks like it. <laughs> okay. And and, and, and it's and molten. It's molten glass. Glass. Okay. It's a it's a pot mm -hmm. inside, and they t it looks. We just loaded it last night. There's like you take a shovel. You put a bunch, it looks like ice cubes, okay. thin ice cubes, and then you, it's glass, and you throw it in there, Shit. and it melts, and it's in a pot, and you just 
go in, your hands feel like they're on fire, and you freaking <laughs> this is it sucks. And <laughs> and so you dip it in and then you spin it, and then you constantly you're spinning the whole time because gravity's working, and then um, you're just going back and forth. Yeah, through the steps back to the. And then there's a glory hole. That's called the glory hole. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's perverts been saying this yeah. shit for thousands of years. But uh, yeah, so it's fun. It's a, uh, it's very challenging. We put some like you know Eric Clapton or some Bob Marley on just yeah. jam out, and uh, it's it's a really interesting uh, environment. Very very. Uh, I don't know, a lot of energy. Yeah. It's just It sad. seems like pretty it's all of this stuff that we do, I feel like that you know, we were talking about the the deep, the the water PT or the deep end fitness stuff and like all that on, st- you know, working out, training, this glass blowing, you know, uh activating that that side of your brain like we were talking yeah. earlier is like all that stuff, you know, is so I feel like especially nowadays it's so beneficial for us because you know, it gets us out of this this mindset that we're in all the time of being like, oh, there's all this shit we've got going on in our head or we're thinking about or that's vying for our attention on the phone or computer or everything. And in this these moments, whether it's training, whether it's something like art like this, you really got to be like dialed into what you're doing 100% and it just gets you out of that space to it, just be here, just be now. It's like exactly. that's It's the process. I'm finding that too that – you know whether it's athletics or art that you know first of all it's all about balance right so i was an athlete my whole life i was bred to be an athlete like my mom was an all-state swimmer and all-state uh diver played every sport she could throw football farther than my friends in like sixth grade <laughs> and i was like mom stop mom, stop Come on, yeah. you're embarrassing me <laughs> But you know, my dad was a uh, college uh, football player, and so that's all I did. But we also played like piano. I played guitar, and I was a writer as a kid. But I was never pushed in that. And then, um, and then, you know, because of uh, as a seal, when we go into this thing called the NICO, it's uh, the National Center of Excellence. It's basically the largest brain scanning um medical treatment center in the world uh and there's one in pendleton now but it started in bethesda which is walter reed and uh it's like three and a half weeks you go there and they literally scan you from head to toe and it's the first time i was like oh this is what i thought you know the seal teams were going to be like jason Bourne shit you know Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) i had 129 appointments first day they're drawing like 19 vials of blood and like every damn you know liquid come out of me but the thing is that's the way it should be like that's the medicine that we should have as you know guys are putting their life out there and doing the training and stuff like that so but when in that process you did all the western medicine and then you would do the eastern medicine and mental health uh, they throw the book at you so all a lot of that stuff is um you know the yogas the breath work the um meditation um the creative therapy 
you can go on and on about it. Now there's, you know, there, you could do bow and arrow therapy and dog therapy. There's so many therapies that basically they're just trying to get the brain to feel good, right? And so, but the good thing about the creative therapy is we know that it access that, you know, frontal motor cortex, I believe it's called. Um, and it's the area that they think is mostly damaged when either, either PTSD or TBI. So emotional or physical, that's mm-hmm. where they think the area is. Yeah. Well, so. let's get into that for sure. Um, let's start with, you know, where you're from. You said you were from Detroit. Grew up there, right? Yeah. Uh, mom was a uh, diver, right? Yeah. Uh, dad was a f- college football player. So athletics galore. Yeah. Um, you kind of grew up as, as an athlete. And then... Um, just take me through like what kind of led you to to wanting to join the seals and when you joined the seals as you know did you see something did you um was there a moment where you just like decided or was it kind of like this long buildup of of you know your life and that you know made sense no. or you know how how'd that come about because i think a lot of people yeah that's like, like the sexiest part of yeah. of military right now is navy seals right yeah. and so everyone wants to know like Back when you started, you know, you were in for 14 years, I believe. 15. I was 15. Yeah. Um, there, it really, you know, there wasn't a ton of that information out there. So no. the guys that, you know, that a lot of people talk to now or that get publicized in the media that are SEALs, when they joined, there was none of that shit happening. So it wasn't like they saw um, no. Jocko talk about it. And we're like, the oh, fact fuck, that I, I have an Instagram seal. page now, which I think I started a year ago. When right when I was getting out, yeah, know, is like that was a big no no, right? It right. still is, but it's also the standard. Everyone has social media, but but you're absolutely right. When I joined in 2003, there was nothing. I literally searched the internet and there was nothing I, that I could in, like find out. And uh, the only thing that I saw was there was a documentary on Discovery Channel, it was class 234. Um, but that was it. That was the only thing. And I mean, there was books and, you know, the, the, the big movies. movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Who was that? Charlie Sheen? Yeah. Charlie yeah. Sheen. Yeah. Um, and what's the Bruce Willis one? Uh, Tears of the uh, Sun. Tears of the Sun. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. So yeah, I'm from the Detroit area. I grew up, um, around Lake St. Clair, which is a pretty decent sized lake. Um, and my parents were athletes. They, my dad was a gym teacher at Gross Point um, North. Um, that's a uh, John Cusack movie. Okay. Gross Point Blank. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And um, so I grew up as a wrestler and a soccer player and uh, every other sport too, but those are the two big ones I played. Um, and... I never wanted to be in the military, <laughs> but I, it just, um, I think, uh, what it was, was I played, I, I was a state champ wrestler in, uh, 1999. Detroit's uh, no, or, uh, Michigan's not no slouch state either for wrestling. It's, it's, it's has, pretty good. We have some, yeah. some grapplers come out <laughs> yeah. of there. Yeah. Yeah. Since I was four, I think I started my first weight class was like 44 pounds. Oh, shit. We had to take the singlet <laughs> and put it over my neck and the knee pads look like shin pads. <laughs> yeah. But it's hilarious watching little 
kids wrestle at that age. But uh, yeah, and then um, I won the state title. And what did, year was that? Ninety nine. Or I mean, sorry, what were you uh, in high school? What year in high school? Junior, or senior, senior. senior? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I didn't go wrestle at, at uh, in college. I went and played soccer because. To be honest, I was like, I didn't want to cut any more weight. Yeah. <laughs> and then my brother played soccer, and I was like, I can play college soccer and do that. So I played four years of college soccer at Elma College, small Division three school in middle of Michigan. Uh, it's called Elma. And uh, it was fun. We had a good run my freshman year. We went to the Final Four in NCAA. Damn. Nice. Um, nah, that was a great year. In fact, that coach, Coach Fry, he uh, has been the women's head coach at Messiah University or Messiah College mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. He's got six national titles, and he's like probably go down as one of the best college soccer coaches of all time. So I got to play for him for a year. That was awesome. And then he left, and the program went to shit. <laughs> it was miserable. And I think that's because you know I I, be, I was I didn't know what I want to do. I was I graduated college, and I was like, I'm not going to med school right now, and. You graduated in kinesiology, yeah, right? Okay. Yeah. And and I wasn't done being an athlete. Yeah. I wasn't done being on a team. So I think there was something there. And then, of course, 9-11, I was standing, I was right, <laughs> it's funny that you put that up. I was literally in one of those buildings, and it was like 9-0-3 when I got in or something like that. And I looked up at the TV, and it had smoke coming out of the tower. And the only other person in the cafe, a small little cafe, was the head coach of the football team. His name is Jim Cole. He played with my dad at at Elma in the 70s. And so he knew me pretty well. And his eyes, like the guy was very stoic, you know, all-American quarterback, Jim Cole, you know. Yeah. (laughs) And his eyes, like, had fear in him and he looked at me and i looked up at him and we saw the second one hit oh shit well we saw it hit and then he looked up at me and i was like what the is going on and i ran to the fraternity house i'm like turn on the tvs like yeah something's going down and that was like i got punched yeah you know so i think that was my sophomore year in college and i was like that tied in with I didn't know what the frick I wanted to do. I was going to go enlist in the Navy, have him pay for my college, and go to med school. Well, another gentleman that actually uh, played soccer next to me, he was became a Huey pilot in the Marines a year before okay. I, I um, graduated. And I was just like, Jake is a stud. Like, you know, because... When you're a civilian, you don't know who's who, you know, in the military. You think everybody's, everybody's that. <laughs> yeah. like that, right? Yeah. And yeah, so, so he, you know, I said, I'm going to enlist in the Navy so I can go to med- medical school. And he said, Tom, if you do, you're going to hate your life. And I said, why? He's like, because you'll be a shoe. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, you don't want to enlist in the Navy. And, uh, and I, was, I was like, what they're gonna pay for my 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 college <laughs> and all my loans, yeah, like thirty grand at the time, um, and uh, that I owed. And and he said, uh, well, if you're gonna enlist, there's only one place you need to be, in, and that's the SEAL teams. And I was like, SEAL teams, like 
the SEAL teams? And he's like, yeah. I was like, that's crazy. And he said, you're crazy. And I said, you're right. And that was probably what started <laughs> that was it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I actually met up with Jake Olson, um, who still flies for the Marines. Uh, so he's flown his whole career, which is, you don't get to do that. He's fond away. Um, but I, I actually hooked, we, we met up in Iraq, my first deployment. He was literally a stone's throw across the gate in, uh, that's uh, T, yeah, TQ, and I was in uh, Habania, like literally ar- across the thing. And I ran, I took a Humvee, I didn't check out, I didn't write a con up, <laughs> got in there, and we, I drove and I went to his bunker, found out where he lived, and I picked him up and we went back to the SEAL place, which was one of like Saddam's like casino resorts we made into our yeah. village. <laughs> and it was, you want to talk about gyms? Like we literally built like pegboards going up. The oh, staircases shit. and like <laughs> it was like you know we just we had no thing but time and we just built gyms and so yeah we met up there he is holy crap that's awesome yeah so you went uh so at that point you were like all right and i'm gonna i'm gonna go in he, he looks way older than i do i think i hope he does Are you like, he always <laughs> he's the same age as jake you? if you're watching this he always you're has. gonna laugh your ass off <laughs> He, yeah, yeah, he was a stud, man. We yeah. he played next to me. Uh, I was a stopper, and he was like a okay. sweeper. Yeah, Fuck, that's crazy. You guys are, you the guys same are waking age? me out. I didn't know this was this was here. This is way better. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the same age. Uh, he's three years older. Okay. I think. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so he's the guy that basically started this whole. Why I'm sitting here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Did he help you get in, or were you just like, all right, I'm going to go to an office and No, and yeah. No, if you want to hear that, it's crazy. So after he planted the seed, I was training at Lifetime Fitness in Troy, Michigan, which at the time was, I mean, they were huge gyms, right? Yeah. I went and got my NSA, whatever it was, NS, NSA, NSA, yeah, yeah, whatever NSM, it was. NSM, yeah. Yeah, I got that and, um, and started training people, and I love training people i just i didn't like the sales job i don't like walking the floor and then telling them pinch their fat and say um <laughs> yeah it's gonna cost you about forty eight hundred dollars for you to lose 12 pounds in six weeks you know mm-hmm. based on the i'm like this is ridiculous yeah. but if you gave me so many they always signed back up right i didn't do that part of the job and then i realized when i was working there for about six months i was like i'm gonna i'm going i'm gonna do this yeah. this is not I can't do this other I can't, yeah. I can't do this. So yeah, that was it. And then six months after I graduated college, I was literally back in the Navy or seven months after, maybe I think November. And I was back in the Navy or I was in the Navy and um in boot camp and that was an eye opener. Yeah. At that time did they <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. At that time did they have like sex. the the seal contracts or did you just have to Yeah, go I didn't bank? have one. Okay. So that was crazier too because uh, let me back up. Mm-hmm. When so when I said I I got I'm going to try the seal thing. Yeah. Before the thing that took me over was I went to the mall and I got the DVD from the Discovery store. There was a Discovery Channel store. And I got the DVDs, and that was when I watched that first episode. There was that music, and they showed the guys running the four mile time run. And I'm just like, they make it look everything, you know, Hollywood, they make it look so horrible. And I was just like watching this guy struggle, and I'm like, 
oh my God. Oh, that looks horrible. You know? And I was like, at that moment, I was like, that scared the shit out of me. I'm in. Yeah. That was it. Is that the one that Spike Lee directed? No. I know Spike Lee directed some type of SEAL uh, promo stuff. He did? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Who was telling me that? One of my buddies was telling me that. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. That's the one? So, yeah. So that's yeah. what kind of got me. And then um started training. Yeah. I just like, I just, I was so happy to start training for something. Yeah. Because like, you go- For you, something. Yeah. You go from always having like the sport and you yeah. always had something to train for. Yeah. And then you get out and you're like- Yeah. So I started doing, you know, I was 22, 23 years old and uh, I just started running and I was running five to eight miles you know, three, four times a week, started doing more calisthenics. But I, I had to learn to swim because I was a, I was comfortable in the water, but I wasn't a collegiate swimmer by any means. Right. And I'm not built like a swimmer. So, <laughs> But, um, yeah, that was uh, how I started. How and, long did you train before you, before you had to go, before you went? Um, probably June to November. Okay. And it was by myself. So here's the funny part for the... the um, About five months. Yeah, the uh, recruiting office. So once I was like, okay, I'm going to do this, I literally was going through the yellow pages. Yeah. I'm dating myself here. <laughs> and, and I'm like trying to find the recruiter. I call like two. No one's picking the phone up. I'm like, what? This is so weird. I just graduated college and I'm trying to get into the, yeah. the military. And usually those are the people like banging your door, door down, right? So I finally get a hold of one, and this one guy's like, "We just have the army here. There's no navy and marines." And I'm like, "Really? Like I've never seen a, a recruiting depot that didn't have, you know, all of them." Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so I found this place in Detroit. It was next to the Cronk's gym, which is Manuel Stewart's gym. It was just—I mean, there was gunshots. This is not a racial thing, but I was probably the only white person around. Yeah, you know, and. I walk into this recruiting st- station and they're like, there's a white college graduate that wants to be a SEAL. <laughs> and they're like, pissed ass. <laughs> like a, He's high. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're like, why did you want to be an officer? I was like, I just want to be a SEAL. And, yeah. you know, you find out later on that almost 40, 38% of the enlisted community have like a college degree. So... It was pretty normal, and that was two thousand three. It's even more now. So, yeah, yeah. But it was a different time, and it was there was no, there was nothing back then, and um, and I was it was cool because I didn't really know anything about the damn SEAL teams, and I was happy about it because if you would have known, yeah, like all like, the guys and buds that knew more, those are the guys that quit. Yeah, always. Yeah, you know, it was like. And then the legacies, you know, the guys, their dads are SEALs and they seem behind the curtain mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a lot of pressure. And so a lot of those guys, they don't do it either because they, they're like, they know. Ignorance is bliss. In it's this very situation. bliss in this situation. In this situation. Yeah. All right, guys. Support for the podcast is brought to you by Loco Coffee. These guys bring you cold brew coffee mixed with additives, two simple ingredients. You got your cold brew coffee and then in the... What color is this? This is green. I'm a little colorblind. In the green can, they have maple water. In the blue can, they have coconut water. All right. So they mix the the cold brew coffee with that two ingredients. That's it. Gives you over 200 milligrams of caffeine 
in a bottle, gives you natural electrolytes and energy, um, antioxidants as well from that, no sugar. If you guys wanna check them out, use code PARDONME for 20% off, and their website is drinklococoffee.com. All right, check them out. Good guys, uh, small company, and uh, they support us, so we're gonna support them, and I hope you guys do too. Check them out one more time. That is drinklococoffee.com. Use code PARDONME for 20% off. Check them out. Yeah, that's what I, f I find is like more, I mean, I heard someone talk about it. That was really funny. They were like, they were, I think it was another seal. He was like, I got a lot of DMs about people that, um, I think it was, who was it? It was, um, you might know him. Uh, it'll come to me. Uh, but he was saying that I got a lot of DMs about about guys that are like, oh, I'm going into the this, I'm going into buds, yada, yada, yada. I've been taking cold showers to get ready. And he's like, fucking stop. Stop taking cold showers. He's like, it's not going to help. If I told you you were going to get kicked in the nuts in, in six months and every day you, you got kicked in the nuts just to get ready for it, when I kick you in the nuts in six months, it's still going to hurt they, just as bad. They said that exact line in that discovery video. Did they? He's, I remember. He's, yeah, he's like, how do you train for a kick in the nuts? You don't. Well, yeah, I had a guy in my class that was from Buffalo, New York. Rochester, New York, and he literally tried to sleep deprive himself Fuck. and then run 80 <laughs> miles in the snow in Rochester in the winter. And you know what happened? He passed the fuck out <laughs> and he was unconscious and they had to rescue him. <laughs> and I asked him, how'd that, how'd that help you in Hell Week? He's like, it didn't at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's going to suck regardless. Yeah. And you might as well true. make sure when it sucks, it's for it, the, the actual thing you're doing. Yeah. I mean, if we were going through the timeline and you go to boot camp, whatever, I didn't have a um, a contract. The okay. guys at the the, the the recruit station, they they're just like, yeah, yeah, you can get in. Yeah, we'll put you in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just <laughs> sign this. Yeah. And I like a week before I was supposed to ship out, I was talking to somebody, and they're like, you don't have a a, a contract. And I was like, I, I don't know. Like, I, so I went back there, and he's like, listen. All you have to do is pass the screener in boot camp, and you'll be good. You wanted to get in earlier. This is the only way you could get in. I was like, oh, fuck. So yeah. I was like, this is not good. So I got to boot camp, and luckily, you know, the chief of the division, um, he 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 liked me. So he's like, you can go, check, you know, you can try out because they show you the video, and then everybody. Usually they offer people to try. I don't know how it is now, but this is a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, so I went and tried out. But the time I did it, when you go into boot camp and you're in the middle of winter with 80 nasty asses, you know, most of these kids are like, you know, a booger eater. Just <laughs> yeah. they, they barely, you know, like, oh, that's how you're here. Yeah. But, you know, and um, <laughs> I, I got sick. I had like... I had pneumonia. I was <laughs> sicker than hell. And uh, so that morning, they're like, you get to try out. And I'm like coughing like loogies, just can't breathe. So I passed it. But it's, the screener is not that bad. It's, you know, it's just a run the swim. swim was probably the hardest part for you, right? Or yeah, no, but I wasn't trying point. to break any speed records. I was, <laughs> yeah. I was you know. I, just don't stop. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I, I've been away from the training command for a while, but I know that the the talent and the um the quality of the students are is much better than it was when i was going through for sure 
but that being said, I was it, I was think I can't. I was like low nines. Like I would I remember like yeah nine fourteen ish something like that. My runs were good though because I played soccer. Yeah, and so as a bigger guy, I could run. So that was a huge thing, and definitely in budge. I want to be a runner than a swimmer because you can learn to swim and there you get fins. So yeah, it's all just learning how to kick and glide and and guide. But uh, but running is that breaks guys. Oh yeah, yeah. So you, you go. They they let you do the screener. Yeah, and then they send you to buds right after that. Yeah. So I did the screener. I passed. Yeah. And thank God. Right when you pass the screener, and I crushed it. Yeah. You know, but the, the guy is like, the next morning you're back in his office. The one of the recruiting, uh, the motivator guys. Um, they have all like the divers, the EOD, the SWIC, and the SEALs. I think is that it. Yeah. And something like that. Yeah, they're like in the office. So he's like going through my my new. He's basically rewriting my contract. Yeah. Um, and this is the funny part. I, I was like. Uh, he was like, you can be a storekeeper and go to Bud's like right away. And I was like, what, storekeeper? I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm a medic. Like I'm a pre, I was a paramedic in college. I was pre-med. And so I tried to get that. And he's like, he gave, <laughs> he gave, sorry, he gave it to me. And he gave it to me. Um, but looking back, like most guys would avoid being a medic. Because it was longer training, more school, right? more school, and at that time, being a medic in the teams, it was um, an extra duty. Like you had to actually treat guys. Now there's corpsmen attached to the platoons and PAs and all that stuff. But back then, you had the medical records, and you're supposed to team guys don't do that stuff. It's just <laughs> not in our card. But. Um, so yeah, I, I became I went from boot camp to core school and I knocked off four weeks. It was a ten week course. I knocked off four because I did a individual pace thing. <clears throat> that was a, there's another story attached to that, but it's too long to tell. And <laughs> and then I got it right into buds. So yeah. I went from boot camp a uh, a school or core school corner school to Buds. Then you go to Buds. Yeah. Okay. And then you, you're in the shit. You're in Hell Week. And then Buds is what six months or how long? Uh, yeah, Buds is six months. Yeah. And then most people only talk about like that first or that the Hell Week, right? That's the the biggest part you see about it. But they don't talk about the 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 full six months after. So it's obviously Hell Week is the most you know one of the most intense um, with how they sleep deprive you, how they work you. Um, and then you're going through that, you're, uh, you're in buds, you're doing all that shit at any point where you just like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> you say every, that from the first day of boot camp yeah. every day. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's people always, you know, ask me either, can a girl do it or, you know, most you're like, no, mo- <laughs> actually, yeah, we don't get into that. Um, has one passed yet? No. Okay. But they are accepting them. I think they've had two or Try three. It. But I don't think they've gotten two actual day one of buds. They've only made it. And I could be wrong, but I think they've only done their, uh, used to call it mini buds, but now it's called freaking some crazy, stupid acronym name. Mm-hmm. 
block zero. It's basically their selection for the officer. And it's, it's awesome. Like I, I was an instructor for a couple of courses and it's a pretty dang good selection for, um, for the officers. And I think there was only two girls that tried that, but yeah, I won't get into that. It's, it's just drama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So drama. <laughs> women in the buds are drama. <laughs> yeah. Um what was I saying? So you're in you're uh you're going through that through all that shit. You're like, what the fuck am I doing? You get through it. I mean, you're seeing guys drop off left and right. Was there any type of like what what kept you was it just, you know, pure training, drive, you know, motivation to get to the end? Was it just the time you spent doing sports, does, was it all of that combined that kind of got you, th- what do you think got you through to the end versus being like, fuck this, I'm going to go, you know, yeah. do something else? Yeah. yeah. Obviously, that thought pattern will is the most likely to occur in Hell Week. Mm-hmm. Um, you're up for 144 hours. Um, I think it's like 212 miles with a boat on your head. Yep. And um, your skin is wet and sandy. The whole Always. week <laughs> and cold, really cold. Um, so yeah, it's designed to see how you handle those thoughts. Now the question is: Is does anybody like you know? You ask guys, and they're like, "Did you ever think about quitting?" And most guys will say, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course you think about it." You know how you mean crazy not to. But then there's the other very few will go, "Never thought about it." Nope. <laughs> Never. Then those people nope, are liars. Never. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know? But um, for me, it was, to be honest, it was the ego. I mean, there was no way I was going back home looking my family in the face. You know? There's just no way. Yeah. But that's not a bad thing, too, because it's... You, at that point, you're just like, whatever it takes, mm-hmm. whatever it takes. The other, you know, you can look to the left and right and say, if that dude is here and I know I'm better than him, there's no way I'm going out. Mm-hmm. There's, It's a huge ego. That's a, it's that's a massive. A, is that a, I wonder if that's like a big guy thing because like, I, f- I feel like everybody feels that. Like when you have a guy next to you that's going through it with you, that like whether you're competing or whether you're – you're doing something and he's still there, you're like, oh, I'm going to still be here too. If he's, if he's still here, I'm yeah. going to be here. <laughs> I look, I think it is a mind games. Like you're yeah. literally, you're always trying to tweak the program that you're telling yourself. And some guys, you know, their program is built and they're from good stock and they have good DNA and they, you know, they have a lot of security and, 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 and they have all the good stuff to go in it. But most people going to buds are not from those families. They're not. They're, you know, orphans and kids that have been in trouble. And you know, like there's just that's not the norm. Um, so, which is fascinating because y- you look at the success rate to get through, and you're like, what is the recipe? Because we've been trying to figure that out. The Navy's dumped hundreds of millions of dollars into trying to figure that out because. On paper, we're the most profitable asset we have because it's only a, a million bucks to chain one of us, and the stuff that we can do downrange, it's you get a good it's useful s- s- uh, return on your investment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Buy every time. They get it out of you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well worth the investment. Yeah, for sure. And so you're going through all that shit. You're going through the schooling. At what point do you, uh, how how long once you like graduate, what is it, SQT, the SEAL qualification training, and before you go on your your first deployment? Was there like, for me, I was a medic, so I had to go back to Fort Bragg to school and okay. that was another it's it's this short course was like i think it was seven six or seven months but we went over christmas so it extended a little bit longer you had to wait for your class to start so i, I think all said and done it was like eight months okay and then at that point are you just like chomping at the bit to, oh, to get horrible. in you're like i've been training for three years at, or what two years at this point almost three yeah and yeah. you're like i want to go do my you're, job the worst part is the, again it goes back to that comp- competitive nature your buddies that you graduate with they're damn downrange yeah getting into firefights and you're just like i'm in brag <laughs> yeah like come on and i no offense <laughs> to the army guys but damn it was just it was expectations right but you know looking back there's like four people you take on every op or three it's the big ones it's comms the medic and um I'm blank here. You want to edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're good. We, we'll only edit out stuff you're not supposed to say. <laughs> um, I yeah, I'm drawing a blank. But it, you you can go on. You're you can get on and up mm-hmm. if you're a medic. So yeah, it was awesome for me as a new guy. I got to go on a lot of stuff that other guys were sitting back at the fob because they didn't have the qual. Yeah. So you always need a medic. Always. Yeah. And there's not uh, because of the schooling. There's not as many. And there's, they're they're more valuable to the teams. Right? Not many guys want to do it either. <laughs> yeah. But now it's crazy because the Navy switched. When I came in, we were medic, we were corpsman, so it was no, you know, you you're going. And I tried to get out. Actually, people were like, "You do not want to go. You should get out. Change your rate. Mm-hmm. Change your rate." And I'm like, literally trying to change my rate so I don't <laughs> have to be a medic because I I heard you know you hear like, "Oh, you don't want to do it. You want to do it? Yeah." But I was just like, I have to. I'm like, that's who I am. I'm a medic. That right. I've always been, you know, a medical guy. So, so yeah, it served me well. And what was the the timeline for like you fin- you finally finished? You're like, all right, I'm ready, yeah. ready to go. So, uh, what was how long did you have from from your graduated till you you get to go on your first deployment? Forever. Um, I checked in the SEAL Team Two around like maybe may or june of 2006 and i left my first deployment um october 2007 okay yeah so almost a year year and a half year and a half well uh, yeah okay it's it's 18 month workup shit that's a long workup yeah so you do all that training and then you do the medic training and then you go to your team team. another 18 months yeah and then you go yeah. And if you're the, lucky, yeah. and that, and that, and I didn't. There's, I, that, that's not, um, not that it matters, but I didn't get rolled, or like in any fail of it, out the whole pipeline. Like I went Damn. boom, 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 boom. That's I even not, cut off yeah. half of course school, and you know did, accelerated. Yeah. yeah. So that's, and that's not the and norm. That was the quickest you could go. Yeah. That was yeah, long time. A lot of people get rolled, so that's like. You're yeah, a, you're a unicorn. Be lucky. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I think we started with um, two eighty nine, and an indoc, something like that. 
I think. And and we ended up with the originals. It was 15 of us. Yeah. So, but it's still a lot of luck. And Two's in Coronado, right? Or is it Virginia? Oh, Virginia. Virginia Beach, okay. Yeah. So even numbers are East Coast. Odd numbers are West Coast. Mm-hmm. Nice. So you're there. You're training for 18 months. You're, you find, and this was 2006, right? So it was like still, there were a lot of teams going overseas. It was like. Oh, yeah. It was in the thick. Yeah. So you finally get to go on your, uh, let's get into the, your first deployment. You finally get to go. And then you're out, you're over there and you finally, you've been, you know, in, in buds and in, in basic buds, then your met, you know, medic school and then your workup. So it's just like what four four and a half years coming almost yeah, before you I came in in two, uh, 2003 November mm-hmm. and I deployed 2007 November yeah or October November and so you finally get to go over there where's the first place um so I volunteered early to go so I actually left in September cuz I went to go work in a cash site because the 18 months of seal training to to get ready to deploy you don't do a lot of medic training so I was like, I'm the medic. I better get make sure I don't do it before some guy yeah. goes down. Yeah. So I went. Um, um, one of the doctors at our unit hooked me up, and I got to go out a month early to Al Assad and work in the cash, which is the hospital. And it was awesome. I I worked with these like world class surgeons from University of Indiana. He's the head. He was the head of the medical school there, and. These guys, these civilians were coming, were volunteering to come into theater to for the medical experience. I mean, they were giving up hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, but because they're so good at what they do, they knew that this is how you get better. This is how you advance. And the two things that come out of war is medicine and weapons. So, yeah, I saw a lot. It was really interesting. I got to meet you know, some amazing doctors and anesthesiologists and PAs and everyone. So it was yeah. fun. And then I went from there. I also met Brett Michaels okay. um, from Poison. <laughs> yeah. After the show up. <laughs> There's something about, like, the, you know, the team, team guys and the rock stars. It's like you're just like, oh, yeah, boom. <laughs> but uh, I went from there back to, with my platoon to uh, Habania. Nice. Okay. So you and that was the that was the first place you deployed with your your team. Yeah. Nice. And then how long are you there for? What's what's that? Uh, six months. Six months. Yeah. And then what kind of like how many times or is this this because de- everyone's deployments different? And then some people are you know getting into you know uh, doing ops every day. Some people are doing yeah. ops like Op tempo. Yeah. What what was that like? Uh, it slowed down towards the winter. Um, it's, it was. We got to go out pretty often in um, in the first part of the deployment. Um, yeah, it slowed down. They don't I think they like to fight in the cold. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't either. And if I was wearing a bed sheet, you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so your op tempo is yeah. like pretty heavy when you get there, then slows down. Um, what what was um, what was it like to to finally be over there and like be doing the job that you're doing? Was there like, yeah, it was. Um, was it like finally I'm here? I've arrived. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. totally. It's like, you know, you are an athlete. You 
if you're training for to play a game, you, you want to play. Yeah. Like you don't just want to train to train. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because you have to re- training is you have to put in your mind like you have to put that sense of urgency. That's why, you know, when we train our students in buds or whatever, um, you're creating chaos. You're you're doing that so that the person um doesn't lose the edge mm-hmm. you know and then hopefully you train harder than the actual event so when you get down range it's not hard at all well it could be but it's more times than not it's it's not as bad as the training because the training was you yeah know, that's designed to be like that yeah and so you get into those scenarios and your the training kicks in yeah i yeah. mean that was probably the thing that calmed me down the most was as a new guy you're always like oh, what's it gonna be like you know yeah and my chief said, just don't worry. It's so much easier. And like, I was like, what? <laughs> like, what did you just say? And it was true. Yeah. But my first op was pretty funny. We, I was the lead tur- turret in the, in the convoy. And uh, back then, it didn't have all up armor. I think it had the, the bottom was up armored, but the top wasn't. And uh, it was awesome because you could still manually pull, you know, the the gears and you could swivel that damn gun mm-hmm. now then it went to like electronic and doing this <laughs> thing and now they don't even use those anymore but oh shit it spilled you're good <laughs> oh, good thing i got these uh water resistant patagonia pants on. yeah shout out to they patagonia. don't work at all <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so first op, i go out the gate and we're about we're going to see our sister platoon in fallujah and we're i think it was route michigan or whatever and we literally went through a checkpoint and our nav went through the wrong freaking gate and uh, got we ran over spikes oh. and so we, he had four flats. <laughs> we were on run flats, the yeah. Humvees, and we went from halfway from Havania to Fallujah, which is about it was probably about thirty five minutes ish on run flats. <laughs> and my first stop, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> And then we got our asses harassed by our our, our, our brother and when we got there. <laughs> so uh so with uh I hear a lot of people describe that that uh the the build up the so you're going on an op, you're getting ready, you're you know, you have your you're going out on an op and kind of relating that to you know that the nerves that happen for before any type of performance whether it's a game whether it's you know anything where you're having to perform under pressure um did you feel like that was a similar feeling that you had going from you know getting ready for an op the work the lead up being in you know a chopper or a vehicle going to the op feeling that same thing i I felt way more calmer way more calm yeah i did um just because you knew the preparation yeah, was, it's, it's a long time. Yeah, like, I didn't. I never in my athletic career, I didn't wait three and a half years to play a game. <laughs> a game. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it was like two weeks was a long time. Right? Yeah, a week. So, yeah, it was different. And there is something calming about that. Like when you have the trust that you have, especially in my first platoon, we had a great group of guys. Um, freaking rock star group just lucky and um and when you're with guys like that 
especially when it's your first one. It was that was definitely my best platoon. It was my first platoon, and um, it's very calming when you like you, you trust them. You know, a question I used to get a lot was, "How could you? You know, how could you do that? Like, you know, you know, you're doing the hard, the most, the scariest job or the toughest job." And I would be like, mm, nah, like on paper, you would think like, I feel safer with 200, you know, guys, you know, that are trained this much, but I'd go out with 15 that have mm-hmm. been doing it. Like we've been doing it, you know, shooting hundreds of thousands of rounds and yeah, tested that to me is like, there's like, nothing safer. Yeah. It's kind of like yeah. being on a motorcycle, you know, you have that false sense of security, because I can move and I can go where I want to go when I want to go. And that's small unit tactics. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's like any, any sport, like you practice, you practice, you practice. And I think that's the the thing that most people can relate to is sport because most people Mm -hmm. have done some sort of sport or developed some sort of skill. This is no different. It's just a different skill. It's, you know, war fighting. So your your skill is very pointed in what you're doing and the amount of reps reps you put in over and over you know exactly how your tools which are going to be guns and weapons you know exactly how those are going to operate how those are going to move with your body what you know everything about it before it even happens so you have an, a, a distinct edge versus yeah. a lot of the 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 opponents will say that you're going you know to um to to whatever your targets whatever your objectives are you're going to be much more trained than them yeah you know now that i'm out and i found myself back in this performance coaching arena and um it it's funny because i feel like i can train anyone to do anything because i know what it means to to train the right way and it's because we had to learn so many different things so fast that you have to develop a way that work. If it doesn't work, then you're not there anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So you're you're constantly playing like head games and memory games and the way how does it work? So it's it's simple. You just learn the fundamentals. Whatever you want to do, you just learn the fundamentals really, really, really well, really, yep. really, really well. And how do you learn fundamentals really well? You do them over and over and over again. Yep. But you have to do them well. You have to do them right. Again. Yeah. Like, you know, practice makes perfect. It's like, no, perfect practice makes perfect. Right. right? You have to aim small, miss small. Mm-hmm. So that to me is like a huge advantage going forward in my life that in, in my head, I'm like, I know how to figure things out. So now I just got to put the work in. And that's yeah. the fun part. <laughs> you know how to learn, which is like one of the biggest pieces that yeah. I'll like we were talking about this the other or i was talking about this with g the other night it was like so many people now like the they have excuses or they have reasons they can't do something and they don't at this point in in our civilization like everything's so accessible with the, the internet and with all of these things it's like there's no excuse not to know something or not to figure something out and mm-hmm. the only reason you wouldn't be able to is because you can't learn or you can't you know get out of your ego enough to like Hey, let me ask somebody else. Let me let me you know, let me figure it out by you know knowing that I need to ask people that know this or that are better than me or yeah. any of that. 
Well, there's a difference between knowing knowing how to do something and actually doing it. There's the action. There's the drive. And it takes both. And I, that's the training. It's like you have to learn it, but you actually have to do it too, you know. And um, in athletics especially, but not just athletics. I, I mentioned that I'm in film school now, so I'm learning all these disciplines, directing and acting editing and yeah. producing and acting. Did I say acting twice? Acting twice. <laughs> producing, directing. Yeah. Yeah, all of them. And it's kind of like the way I learned to be a SEAL. We had disciplines, you know, land warfare, you know, CQC, diving, jumping, all these things. So you have to learn the basic. You have to learn the basics of everything, whether it's shooting a camera, writing a story, blowing glass it doesn't matter like there's fundamentals in everything you do and if you break it down and you can see it you can get lost and that's that's that flow state mm -hmm. that yeah i mentioned let's get we'll get into like all this stuff that you're doing now because i think it's really cool but let's wrap up your your service time so how many deployments did you go on uh and when was your activity period uh like, yeah so 2007 to 2014, mm -hmm. uh, four deployments, um, not all in combat. So I did. I I was pretty fortunate. I got to go all over the globe. Uh, the only place I didn't go was uh, South America. Okay, nice. So. so, support for the podcast is brought to you by X Works. All right, we love XWorks here. I've been using them for a number of years. Uh, I've been using, they started with just pre-workout and have really stayed pretty grassroots and true to who they are by only making a select number of products that they do to the best of their ability. So they make sure that all the right ingredients are in there that only do what they want the product to do. No fillers, no additives, no garbage, no bullshit. Like you're not going to see a ton of shit in there with the name like xylitol or like xanthan gum or other things you can't pronounce. And I don't, I'm not smart enough to know what they are. Um, so check them out, xworks.com. They sell a number of products now that they've developed from the ground up. Uh, my favorites are their pre-workout, their Ignite. That's their flagship product that they started off with. Uh, they sell a grow product, which is their protein. That's another one of my staples. That protein has 100% whey protein isolate. It's from grass-fed cows. Um, no artificial sweeteners, no flavors, no coloring, uh, soy and gluten-free, duh. All kinds of information on each one of their products and how to best use them is on their website, xworks.com. And recently, they have just uh, relaunched a CBD cream rub and they also have cbd droplets and pills as well so i go to them for all of our supplements and have been trusting them for years you guys should too check them out they support us support them xworks.com first was your first deployment your most active as far as like ops and getting yeah, the ticks it was. and all it that slow yeah. down the next one was um we did i did africa okay and that wasn't you know kinetic um and then we went i went back to afghanistan um, but we just lost a team guy there and it was same thing. So it, I didn't, I w in my career, I wouldn't say that it was, you know, I didn't, I didn't see a, a, as much combat as some of the guys, but, um, enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Enough. You're going to see your fair share as a, as a seal. Yeah, um, exactly. And then did you ever think about, you know, 
what was the the process like of you know hey i'm i'm ready to take this you know because i know you were a buzz instructor for a, a year or so right two years yeah yeah and so um what how was that transition and what what was that like was that like hey i'm ready to take a step back train some of the other guys till i figure out what i want to do or was it was there ever a spot where you were like you know, seeing maybe some of your other buddies going to to Damn Neck and and doing that that route that kind of that you wanted to do, or were you like, what yeah, was that I, split like, right? A, yeah. Um. So I I left too. Um. I was married at the time, and I to be honest, I I wasn't. If I went there, I knew that marriage wasn't going to work. The marriage didn't work anyways. But at the time, I was trying to preserve the marriage and. uh I went. That's why I came out to to uh, San Diego. But you know, looking back, the, you can always go and say, "Well, what 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 happened if I did that?" The instructing job is humble. You you do have to take some of that pride because you go from operator to wearing, you know, you're, especially when they make you stand and watch on a quarter deck, and you're like, "I didn't stand and watch for four years at the team." So there's a lot of humility that you you need to get back and i think that's a good thing but the best thing about being an instructor was um you get to you're those are the guys that you remember the most like as a student and a young operator you get to make an impact um and that was awesome so yeah yeah really awesome i was a sec i did the underwater portion so second phase um and then i went over to sqt for a little bit and so taught the medicine teacher we'll see and stuff like that nice and and you kind of had a background a little bit before you got in of teaching coaching and having that passion and then to kind of see that i feel like again in in the buzz in that and then transitioning into what you're doing now is kind of like a really straight you know forward thing that you know it looks you know you can tell from who you are and and what you did you know you like to teach you like to you know impart knowledge or things that you've learned to other people and yeah. help them succeed. Um, and so you, you were there, you know, coach or uh, training at Bud's. And then um, at what point were you just like, oh, I'm ready to take, take the next step out? Or were you ever, was that ever like a, a conscious thought of like, Hey, I'm going to get out now. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I, uh, I had a, I got out because of a medical retirement. So I got, had some. I was a breacher and uh, mm-hmm. did a quite a bit of explosions. So, yeah. so that and had some hard landings and openings. At 15 years, I was like, man, you know, everything was just not going well, and I pulled the plug, which was hard. It was a hard decision, um, and the team guys out there understand. But you know, it was the hardest thing to do. Why? Because. It was the ego that I had to let go of. It was the ego, and that process is was much. And I'm still going through that. You know, I've only been out for two years, um, but that's the best part of this whole thing is when you when you can face those fears of what will I be without this, and you can actually put it away and walk. That's like that's living. Yeah, and some guys don't get the opportunity because they can't do it or they don't want to, and then it doesn't end well, you know. It's yeah, a lot of suicide. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's a big part of of 
what a lot of guys don't like to talk about or don't want to talk about is like the issues that 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 team guys will go through coming out and you know like that exactly what you said you know who am i outside of this you know what what i've been doing this for 15 years before that you were an athlete so you had this purpose this drive i'm an athlete this is who i am this is what i do now i'm a seal this is what i am this is who i do and now i'm getting out it's not like you're getting out to be there's nothing more purpose driven out there than a seal you know than serving your country at that highest capacity um so then it's not like you're taking this next step and to be like oh this is i'm going to something bigger and better you know even though it is even though i'm sure you can attest to you're going into the next phase you don't feel like i'm sure you don't feel like that when you're leaving the seals you're like no because your lens has been trained your lens has been programmed that's your world that's your bubble and that's not reality. That's a freaking, this is the SEAL teams. This is the SEALs, you know, in perspective of the rest of the world in the country. So yeah, it's your reality, but it's not the reality. And the reality is if you want to go out and do awesome things, not just because you're a SEAL, but because you're who you are, then that's going to require you to take that shit off and, and step out in something that's probably not gonna be real comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, for me, like I that process started when I went to NICO, which was 2016. And, you know, it's still going, but I'm very grateful for where I'm at because I was able to do those things. I took those hard turns where some guys might not have, you know. So but my my ego, I felt like that was from a kid. Like, what is an yeah. ego? Like, as a young kid, you're looking for an identity, right? Because you want to fit in and you're like, I better get something. Well, I learned real quick win, get real good at winning, and people <laughs> will like you, you know? And so I, was, I, I wasn't really good at wrestling when I started. My brother was a natural at everything, but I worked my ass off. And so, you know. I liked it when I won the state title and I looked, turned around and, you know, Joe Louis Arena and 12,000 people there. I was like, this is awesome. And then you make it through buds and you're like, oh shit. Like, you know, people like me. <laughs> it, it, it's just, it's an affirmation, you know, whether it's positive or not positive. It's, it's still something that we as human beings, we need to be affirmed, especially men right? Women need attention, men need to be affirmed. And so you, you build this thing and have being a seal, you, it's, you get that, you know, and is it, is it right? Not necessarily, but it just comes with it. And it is what it is. So that's hard to step away from. It's hard to reprogram from that. That's a, that's a deep one. Yeah. So I, I mean, for me, I had to go back to like, even before being a SEAL, it was, who was I? Well, you're an athlete. Well, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you, you know, you, well, who are you? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> yeah. It was probably the yeah. hardest, simple, like yeah. this most simplest, hardest question I ever was asked by a shrink, and I had a lot of them, right, <laughs> was, who are you? Yeah. And I was like, fuck. Fuck. Why? Well, uh, I didn't you know, I'm, like, I'm, I'm not a ceiling. I'm, uh, you know, I'm um, an athlete. This. Yeah. yeah. 
And it's like, ooh, sit on that one for a while. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. So, it's, yeah. It's have, you, have you been able to answer that since, yeah. since being out? Totally. Yeah. And that's probably, like, that was exactly what I was going to say. You know, when you were talking, that came to mind. is like, you know, who, who uh, you know, I've seen people go through it. I've, you know, listened to people experience it. I, I've, you know, experienced it a little bit myself. But everybody goes through those experiences of self-identification and, like, who am I outside of what I've used to define myself for so long. Yeah. And, you know, thinking and knowing that and coming to the realization of, okay, I'm, you know, for you, it was, you know, well, not speaking for you, but, you know, from what I can tell, it was like, I've, I've been a SEAL. So I, you know, that's for the longest time, if somebody asks, you know, who are you? You'd be like, oh, I'm a SEAL or I'm an athlete. But knowing that that's not who you are, you are who you are. And that's, that was just what you did. So that, but that wasn't who you were. Exactly. And who you were was something so much bigger and deeper than just what you did. Yeah, like if you were to tell me that I would be in film school at 40, <laughs> yeah, like no way. But it's who I am. I, I want to learn how to tell a story in like your storyteller. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in the SEAL teams, we sell, tell some freaking good stories. Yeah, you, know? you write them too. You yeah, write some no, good yeah. stories. Those aren't so good because <laughs> the other people get a hold of them. <laughs> yeah. They want to know the real story. Oof. Yeah. It'd be good. But, you know, there's something huge about the ability to tell a good story. We've been doing it for thousands and thousands of years, right? So it's, especially now with all the, the division and fear and anxiety out there, you know, the, it's just crazy. So tell good stories. It's entertaining. Tell, tell better stories. Yeah. yeah. So you you get out. What, what was the first thing you did when you got out? Um, just to like backtrack a little bit, you you we uh, we kind of went through that a little bit. But tell me, like when you when you got out, you made that decision. You got home, you know, you or you were you were already home because you were in you were training for you were um, you were what do you call it training at Buds? Yeah. Um, and so you finally get out and you're able to do anything you want, right? You you're here. You're what was that? Was that like a just a huge paradigm shift? And like. Yeah, but that you was know? not true. Well, you said I could not do anything I wanted because okay. I didn't know who the fuck I was. Right. And that took some time. So you went right from getting out to to yeah, to that journey. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it wasn't wasn't easy, unfortunately. Some guys can transition much smoother. Um I was I went through a divorce and um that was horrible and <laughs> you know you Sometimes you need to lose shit before you can find out who you are. And for me, it was like, all right, 15 years, see you later, you're done, you know? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and was it like kind of abrupt? It was like, yeah. It was you just, think that there's going to be like this, yeah. ser- like this. Well, you just think, you think it's going to be smoother. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just my story. This is not how everyone transitions, but, um, it was it was not easy and so i had to do a lot of like soul searching and um one of the things that really helped me and you know i'll talk about it if if you want yeah I'm sure you, for sure it, it did i did a program with psychedelics and yeah. 
I well, it's more common than yeah. It's I've much, been, it's yes. super common. I know. At least the Ling's <laughs> doing special tomorrow or something. But you know, I was blown away because for the first time, I did five. I did five meo DMT, and it scared the hell out of me. It was horrible, horrible. <laughs> you want to talk about facing fears? It was like. There's a reason why your brain goes, oh, that's not going to be fun, you know? It tells you. It's like <laughs> yeah. abort. Yeah. And this thing that's saying abort is the thing that I needed. To get rid of. To get rid of. Yeah. That thing. And so it helped a lot. Didn't heal anything. Nothing does. You heal you. It's just a medicine. Yeah. And so with that medicine and some great therapists and doctors and awesome people that are providing money for these nonprofits, so freaking special warfare fighters can have a chance to know who they are yeah right so yeah so you had the full you had a, a a good uh support system around you when you did that it wasn't like you were in the oh in, no. the, in your uh your your living room just you know uh what do you smoke it or do you ingest it because i think uh, yeah, you can that, do both, the right? 5meo you smoke it yeah you're not just it's a toad yeah so you're not just the like toad is healing the frog moon. <laughs> there it is uh, you're not just doing that on your own. You have a support system of people that are like yeah. around you to help you through this, yeah. which I think is the best way to do totally. it. Totally. Yeah. Any kind of medicine, you have to provide safety, right? And trust. If you lose safety and trust in your doctor, forget it, right? Nothing's going to help you. If you lose safe trust in the medicine you're taking, not going to help you. You have to trust it and you have to be safe. So those are the two elements that we, 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 they provided you know so that's awesome yeah it was awesome did that help with i mean people coming out i have varying levels of of ptsd and you know traumatic you know trauma from what what they went through um and you know a seal's trauma is going to be much different than you know somebody that just worked like you know clerical work and had a bomb go off you know next to them or like on the base and scared them you know they're still going to have trauma but much different trauma but was were you dealing with a lot of that when you came back that this kind of was able to counter or or was it mostly that that soul searching that you were going through the biggest piece i think for me it was um the ego was so freaking strong trained yeah like it just it's trained in a way that it it's like don't quit you're not gonna quit somebody you know chops your arm off it, you ain't gonna quit it doesn't matter but that doesn't apply to everything because there's some things in life where if you're not if you're not you, you can execute it really well but it's a, the wrong direction and you're not quitting well guess what you're going the wrong fucking way at 100 yeah. percent. yeah you know so the, you gotta be careful when you have that mentality um and and i think for that it it was hard to overcome that ego when I was doing the, the medicine. Mm -hmm. It was really hard. Yeah. Did you ever use, because this is 5-MeO-DMT, um, did you ever use psilocybin? Because I've heard of people doing yeah. that and using that to also uh, you know, help with anxiety, PTSD, that, all that stuff as well. Or that, you know, I don't know. I think the DMT would probably, you I mean, you can speak on this as a little bit more of that. 
that soul, you know, kind of rea- kind of reality bending, you know, realization. You know, you have those. I feel like more on DMT than and the psilocybin's a little bit different, right? Yeah, the the DMT is not a fun drug. Now there's the street versions and the synthesized versions, but the toad um, is not. It's a thing. so you went straight from the toad from to what? Yeah, yeah, that was the first thing I did. Yeah. Yeah, and it rocked my world. <laughs> but I got through it, and I, I came out on the other side. That which was like everyone's different. You can't like say this is how it is. But for me, I had to freaking die. Like I literally thought they took me to this mansion to euthanize me because I was like damaged. I was. That's where my head was trying to say, "Stop! Don't mm-hmm. do it." Mm-hmm. And I overcame that, and I literally was like, "That's it." I'm done. Yeah. And boom. And I went, saw the glow. It was just like a near-death experience. And the rush of joy and gratitude and just love just like poured over me. And for the next like week, you're just like, nothing bothers you. Like yeah. no, the fear is gone. There's no more fear. There's no more ego. It comes back, you know, but it really, I've ne- I've done, like I said, I mean, I was a medic for freaking 15 years in the SEAL teams. And nothing that I've seen or been a patient for in terms of physical or mental health has touched that. Nothing. Right. It how just, long yeah. how long did that like was that experience like when you when you took oh, that? I think it was like not less than an hour. Oh, okay. Fast. Yeah. It's not like ayahuasca where you're like twelve yeah, hours no. or twenty four hours <laughs> yeah, in yeah, a hut. No, no. <laughs> but um but anyways, it's 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 a it's a medicine. It's not the answer. It's but it sure as hell tool. helped me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think there's a, so there's a lot of uh, stigma attached. I think to all of that mm-hmm. stuff. But when you kind of break it down and look at it, like from a the, the lens of a different perspective, yeah, you look at what it is, what it's used for, and I mean, there's there's not a lot of like. I feel like downside to something like that, especially if you're doing yeah. it in the right way for the right reasons. Um, yeah. I would rather take something that kind of grows in the earth and that, you know, is here that our ancestors figured out what does, what it does, how to use it. They've been using it for, you know, thousands of years versus something that, you know, somebody cooked up in a lab. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, after a couple of years of, I was on antidepressants, uh, for a couple of years and, uh, I was just like, this sucks. Like, this isn't make me feel better. In fact, I think I feel worse. <laughs> yeah, it's and, and I don't think the drug is designed. The drug doesn't treat the person. Those SSRIs and antidepressants, those treat a symptom. And so, if you numb a symptom in the brain, the problem's not gone, and you just know that it's numb, but you're, it's not gone, so you don't feel better. But with this, it, I don't, you know, who knows? I mean, that's where the research is at right now is how the hell this stuff is having the effects that it does. And everyone's starting to know, and we're the guinea pigs Yeah, for the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot more communities, professional sports, a lot of athletes are using things like psilocybin because it's like a neurological reset. Yeah, that's what you're, we were talking about in, in the sauna that one time. You were telling me about yeah. one of the, uh, the athletes that you, you know of that would use it you know, for you know, that reset and had a ton of success. And I think it's getting more and more common in, in sports. Cause I mean, you look at the people that are always going to be at the, the front line of, of progressive and new age medicine or technology, 
um, are going to be like professional athletes. And I would say like seals or top tier one, uh, operators, yeah. you know, because those, you know, their performance is, you know, they have, a, there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of, you know, money poured into getting the most out of these people out of their bodies as, right. and as a machines lot, and a lot of ego and yeah, you know, all of it, it's all together. Mm-hmm. And so there's, you know, I have a lot, I have quite a few friends that are professional athletes and it, we talk about the same thing. It's the same, you know, those guys step away from the game and they don't know who the hell they are. It's scary. It's scary. And even for much money they make, it doesn't matter, you know? So it's very interesting as a medic, someone who loves medicine, it's fascinating because I never in a million years thought like nowadays this would be doing so well. Like, yeah, it's crazy. I've talked, if I've talked to a few people in the medical world that, but they all, they speak very highly of, you know, psilocybin DMT and, and its uses for, for what exactly what you're talking about. And yeah. they've seen, you know, every drug A to Z and they've seen it being used. They've seen its effect and they, they all rave about the effects that this has versus those and, and the usages of this. Um, real quick before I forget, let's go, uh, tell me a little bit more about what your, what you're doing now. You have this experience on, on DMT, you, you know, have these realizations and then, you know, how long after getting out, having those experiences, did you figure out like what you're doing now and kind of go down that pipeline, I guess we'll call it of like, okay, well, this is my next, this is the the thing I want to do. This is what I realize that I'm, I'm good at and where I can be an asset to. Yeah. So do you know that old saying, do something you love mm-hmm. and you'll be good at it? You know, passion. Yeah. I always, I was really, when I grew up, my parents always had the VCR camera going, you know, kid movies and all that stuff. And I I always liked taking pictures and videos. Like I was the guy in the platoon that make the funny videos and stuff. And I didn't know like that I had a passion for it until a friend of mine, you could probably put him on there, Amir Peretz. He's a, he's a Israeli MMA fighter. And um, I had, was up in um, Beverly Hills with him having coffee. And he's like, Tom, you have such a good story and you have such a passion for people and for, you know, just, you're so knowledgeable about these things. You should start putting yourself on social media. And I was like, no, <laughs> yeah. I'm good. <laughs> and he's like, just try it. And when I knew one of my big things is I don't like being in public. I don't, as a SEAL, I was comfortable being in the dark, you know, like we, we were always joking, like when we work out and we go to like a, a real gym with, you know, girls and you're like, dude, you can't bring us here. Like we're not, we'd, we didn't go to the four yet. We were still back in cage, you know, yeah. pit bull mold. <laughs> and uh, he is like, just, it's good for you. It's actually good for you to kind of express yourself and to be out there. And so I was like, so I started doing it. And then I started writing the post, you know, I was doing post. And then I realized I was like, I want to, I got to use my GI bill. I mean, it's, there's, it's a, you were, you earned it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and so I, you know, I put two and two together and I was like, well, let's just see, you know, take this 
get my master's. And uh, so I found a school in San Francisco. It was online because of COVID. And I started getting my master's in uh, film. And I really enjoy it. It's nice. awesome. Yeah. So you're going, uh, you want to direct, you want, or you want to, you want to write. Sorry, you write want to direct, write, and, yeah. write and direct. Um, and you're going through that process now. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure it'll be like, like anything that you've done or that you've, you've, you've learned how to learn, you know, from the best. You've learned how to like absorb. So I'm sure it's going to be nothing but, you know, success with, with that endeavor. Hopefully um, there's a lot of failures because that's where you learn. But that's where you learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> you're not going to stop from a failure. You know, you're just going to mm. be like, all right, that, that, that didn't turn out how I wanted Pretty it. Pretty good at failing. Yeah. We, <laughs> anybody that's successful will, will tell you that, right? Is like they failed. They had to fail a ton before yeah. they were successful. So um, so you're doing that, and I think that that's super cool. You're down in Encinitas. Uh, I don't know if you can tell people USA yeah. where you're at, yeah. Encinitas, um, which is you know where I was, where I kind of grew up. So it's cool that, that you're down there um, doing the film school stuff. And um, it's awesome to see that the journey you've taken and to, 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 to be able to you know have you on, to get to know you more, to uh, have met you through PJ and to like hear about all of your experiences, all the, the cool shit you're doing and that you've done. And, um, I think it's, I think it's awesome, man. I think it's, it's a, it's a, a cool journey just to, to, to be a part of, to be able to help tell and get your story out there. And, um, you know, that's why I wanted to do this podcast was to be able to tell like stories like these, you know, yeah. going from what, you know, Detroit, small, you know, small spot in Detroit and then, yeah. or sorry, in uh, Michigan to then, you know, going to be one of the most, you know, elite forces in, in the world and, you know, and then to now be like, all right, I want to, I want to tell stories now on a, on a blow glass and, yeah. and, uh, and yeah. be a storyteller and, and, uh, to see and hear like all the, the cool, you know, the flow state and all of that, the breath work, you know, we talked about in, in the sauna that one time and, it's all just hits home for me and, and all this stuff. So it's cool to see the parallels and similarities between, between even though like being a professional athlete and being, you know, a Navy SEAL are, are your jobs are worlds apart. You know, a lot of those same mindsets are, are right there. Yeah. I think, I think I really appreciate being on your show. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's my first podcast. So is it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you did good. Um, <laughs> It is. It's about telling the story, and, and and especially now because you know, there's the content is out there. I mean, everybody wants should tell a story. Yeah, they're all important. Um, yeah, I couldn't in a million years plan this life out. You know, I never thought that I would I would have had the last twenty years of my life like this. So yeah, it's been pretty cool. Yeah, I think too. If we were to plan it out too, we would like have this specific plan, and it would look totally different. But when you look at what it is now, you're like, I'm glad I didn't plan it because it would have been way different. And and I, you know, I'm so grateful of what I have now. Yeah, and I think you're at a point in your life. It sounds like where you're like totally the same. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm, I'm uh, about a week away from buying an Airstream yep. trailer, and we're gonna do do some travel in the Western states. That's awesome. It's gonna be great. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Uh, Try to. I've been. I've been uh, trying to figure out a time that uh, we could uh, connect, and I could uh, d- do some of this. F- maybe do some of this DMT. You guys have been talking. Everybody's been talking to me about. Sounds like a pretty, uh, pretty cool experience. <laughs> but I want to do it right. Stand I don't want. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to do it in like the 
you know, somebody's basement. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you could have a real bad experience if you do it wrong. Of course. Yeah. It's all about intention. I mean, I think that's the difference now versus the psychedelic movement in the 60s and 70s. The intention is here. And we have um, guys like myself and our community, um, guys like Marcus Capone and um, organizations uh, that are supporting this. It's all about the intentions. When you have the right intentions and you're using it for a purpose, it's freaking from the earth. It's supposed, that's, that's the oldest medicine on the planet. And, but if you lose those intentions, you find out like this shit, you know, really is a drug. Yeah. So, but it, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's worked for me. Yeah. And it's cool to see and hear from, from, is this the guy that, uh, has the uh that yeah. nonprofit or yeah. yeah so yeah marcus is uh one of our leading guys that's uh really pushed this thing forward um him and uh, a guy named johnny wilson from uh seal future fund foundation um they're just it's amazing what they've done and it, it, it's not amazing to me because i've been a part of this community for a long time and one of the biggest best features as in the seal teams is that we are always able to do much more work with a smaller amount of people. And this is a perfect example. I mean, we've raised countless millions of dollars to get guys and not just SEALs. I mean, we've had a lot of guys in a lot of organizations, um, military, civilian, you know, seek those, all the other agencies. And we're raising money for them to, to do this thing to have a chance and it's been amazing to see and be a part of. Yeah. I just, you just reminded me, I forgot to ask, uh, and I don't know if you can uh, speak on this a little, uh, at all, but what, what, what time period did you work for the agency? I, no, I, I trained with them. Okay. Um, downrange. Okay. Worked down gotcha. There. Sweet. All right, man. Well, thank you for, uh, for coming in, sharing with me and, uh, you know, talking about all the things that, uh, that we wanted to talk about. This is awesome. Thank you for coming in, man. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'll be looking forward to uh, seeing the first movie you direct and write. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Maybe I'll be an extra. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Hobo number one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, there you have it. Thanks for joining us again. Shout out to Tommy for dropping in. I'm sure we'll have him back on to, uh, we were talking a little bit after the podcast about uh, getting down the DMT psilocybin rabbit hole a little bit more. And I think we could do a, uh, excuse me i think we could do a full episode on just that so we might have to do that um and yeah i think uh thanks thanks to tommy for coming on that was awesome um thank you guys for listening thank you for uh, joining us for another episode that's our 71st episode it's crazy to see how these num the the numbers keep going up right that's how that works one two three those numbers just keep going up um thank you guys for for if you guys have been here from episode number number one our unofficial first episode that never really aired but kind of aired um and you guys have listened to every episode uh shout out to you guys uh we're gonna i think uh keep this thing going i think right mike (laughs) that's the plan so we've been doing it 71 episodes in the book and or in the books the book books and um 
yeah, shout out to you guys. If you guys haven't already, uh, sometimes, you know, I, I say on here to request for you guys to like write us a review on iTunes, give us a rating and then put write a review. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Just you can put one word in the comments like powerful or, you know, BDE or DMT. Put whatever you want in the comment. Give us a rating. That helps us out. Um, and we're just going to keep growing this thing, keep having awesome guests on that that I enjoy to talk to, that I know people enjoy hearing from. And uh, it's been it's been a blast, guys. So thank you. Shout out to all the sponsors. And uh, we'll see you guys here next time. Peace.